let's on the count of three say how much money we lost in Bitcoin. Three, two, one, everything. Eleven hundred. No, I'm glad you're here because there's a story I want to tell you. And this is actually a true story. And I don't want to say that because I tell stories here all the time that really are true. And it sort of makes you, when you say <laughs> this one story is true, it makes you think about well, all the other ones fake. It's kind of like when you see like a, a fruit juice bottle in the supermarket. It says 3% real fruit juice. You go, well, hang on. <laughs> it's meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so look, uh, I have a cousin who owns a, uh, well, they, they live on a, a big farm out near Longreach. Acreage. Eight giant, big, lots of, lots of cows that are just walking around. They actually really enjoy it. A lot of people say, look, cows don't like getting, you know, uh, slaughtered and cut up into tiny bits and then eaten. And I actually say, well, I've been to these farms. They seem like they do. Um, always smiling, always hopping and skipping and jumping all the way into those abattoirs. Um, and basically, they, they needed someone to look after the kids. They needed a nanny um, to live on site. <laughs> Pretty in good long, in Longreach. Rent-free in Longreach. Pretty sure if you rented a place in Longreach, it wouldn't be too far off rent-free. <laughs> I'm not sure what the rates are at the moment. But, um, yeah, so they had someone to live on on site and just, you know, teach the kids, help make, help the kids do their schoolwork because they're in the middle of nowhere, right? they got school of the air up there. You put your headphones on and the teacher's there on a laptop and they go, hey, stop talking, stop chewing gum. And you go, shut up. And you, <laughs> you shut the screen and you rip out your Xbox <laughs> while your mum's hanging out the washing. Um, or dad's hanging out the washing. You don't know that. Yeah. That's a good point. Did you just say you don't like female tennis? Don't bring me into your mistakes, mate. <laughs> All right. So while Dad's hanging out the washing, um, you can shut the screen down. And so basically, um, they put out an ad for a nanny and they said, um, looking for a nanny at our property, Cronulla. So the farm, yeah, farms have names. Yeah. Um, we have another cousin who has a farm out near Tara, near the gums. It's called Green Valley. It's a very ironic name. Every time it rains, they get naked and run around. Okay. And they've never seen each other naked. <laughs> no, they've done, they've done it a couple of times. Yeah, uh, yeah. so it's called Green Valley. Not very green, but the whole point. So Cronulla, right? Yeah. We're looking for a nanny in Cronulla. We, they get a call from my lady. She goes, hi. Yeah, um, I'm really interested in the job. Like I'm a surfer girl. I <laughs> I got some Long spare time over the holiday. Uh, you know, just like always lived near the ocean. Really love the surf culture. I'd really love to move into Cronulla. And they go, no, this oh, is yeah. not. This is not Cronulla Beach, New South Wales. This is Cronulla, the cattle station near Longreach, <laughs> Central what Queensland. Are they doing calling it Cronulla in the first place. Oh, I think I think it's irony as well. I think yeah. my cousins they, just have ironic farms. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and does that nanny have to look after the cattle? Is no. that a secret? It gets T's better. and C's it after get, you sign up. It gets better. So the ad says, the nanny will be required to help the kids uh, learn at, at the school of the air and also perform some light house duties. You know, some light house duties. <laughs> <laughs> they get a call from a lady. <laughs> they get a call from a lady. I'm really interested in this particular job. I mean, this is really interesting. I've done a lot of nannying before, but I've never lived in a lighthouse before. <laughs> Let alone done lighthouse duties. <laughs> no light space house. So I'm not sure if they eventually got someone if they just got beach beach blonde haired girls ringing up all day saying, wow, Cronulla, rent free, wow. Lighthouses. <laughs> all I do is teach kids basic math and I get to free, live for free in a lighthouse at Cronulla. Rent free in Cronulla. So let's play, a new, this is a new segment I've got. It's very oh, exciting. No. 
Um, it's, it's a new segment called Sexual Harassment or Celestial Amassment. All right. What's the second thing mean? Celestial amassment. Is that so stars? Well, if I let you know what it means, you know, it'll ruin the game. The game okay, is called right. you have to figure right. out whether it's celestial amassment or I can't sexual even harassment. Say that. All right. The first, well, you have to, hands on the buzzer. Um, All right. And then you have to say what your answer is. All right. You, you know how this game works. We play it, we play it a lot in, in private. Um, <laughs> sexual harassment or celestial amassment. The first one is a large cluster of stars in the night sky. Celestial amassment. That is celestial amassment, correct. Number two. Standing next to a man in a urinal, grabbing his penis, holding it like a microphone, while singing behind blue eyes in the style of Linkin Park. Sexual harassment. Uh uh. Burr, burr. Actually, a trick question. It's actually because if you look at the silhouette of someone doing that on a wall, it actually uh, looks like the shape of the the Orion belt. So it's actually celestial amassment, both for celestial amassment. <laughs> Can it be both answers? Unfortunately, that's uh, that's that's only uh, 50% <laughs> score in the celestial amassment. You need you, 80% yes, pass. I'm afraid you haven't made it to the next round. You're going to have to leave. Thanks for coming on the show, Noel. I just like to address the elephant in the room for a moment. Look, I know you're an elephant and you can't understand English, but I'm just going to have to ask you to please leave. Uh, we have a strictly no elephants policy in here and quite frankly, your droppings are going everywhere. So, <laughs> just a moment, I'm going to get back to my show, but I expect you to please be out of here by 12. Thank you. Roger Federer is a great player. People say Roger Federer. They look into his beautiful coloured eyes. I'm assuming, I don't know what colour they are. I'm assuming they're, they're coloured. And they say, this man is truly beautiful. He's smart. He's athletic. He's kind. He's generous. But have you ever heard the saying, when something's too good to be true, it probably is? We apply this to all things. You know, a good price on a house or car. A girlfriend who's incredibly stunning. And at first, seems really sane. But we never apply it to Roger Federer. And I'm here to tell you the truth. I'm here to expose the truth about the real Roger Federer. The Roger Federer they don't show you in primetime television. The real Roger Federer is not a perfect man. The real Roger Federer pees on the seat. He pees on the toilet seat and he does not wipe it up afterwards. He just walks out. And the person after him goes, Thanks, Roger. Thanks, mate. And then they see him on TV, you know, everyone clapping, saying, go, Roger. And they, they get angry. They go, this, this man peed on the seat. I had to wipe it up. It wasn't even my wee. <sighs> but no one will ever believe me. It's, <laughs> it's Roger Federer. He's an, awesome, he's an awesome tennis player. No one will believe that he pees on seats. But um, he also gets up to some other mischief. Our Roger. <laughs> Our perfect Roger. Yeah, that's right. We had some team members from a decanter of banter here follow Roger Federer last time he was in Brisbane for the Brisbane International. We had some of our representatives follow him to the valley. We had some of our representatives follow him into girls, girls, girls and Tony's on Brunswick where he 
got free entry to the strip clubs, sat down there for hours watching the girls, and then left without even buying a beer. Yes, that's the real Roger. And I'm sorry if it hurts. Hey, 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 man, over here. What you got, what you got, what you got? I got a pirated bootleg of the last decanter of banter episode. Which one? Which episode you got? I got the first two seasons. This the third season. This the one where he defames George Columbaris so bad that George Columbaris storms the studio and glasses him. There is also an unfortunate sharting incident. Okay, okay, I'm good for the money. Just put it here in my CD, man, and let's test how it sounds. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Too kind. Too kind. No, seriously, too kind. Sit down. Thank you. Good morning to you. A very good morning. <laughs> Evening. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Can't wait for this thing to be over. Um, no, look, I'm sorry for my unexplained absence over the last two weeks. You've heard as, about as much a decanter of banter in the last two weeks as I've had sex in the last six years. Um, no, you're, not, you're mistaken. You haven't been listening to a decanter of banter three times a day. Um, I've spent two weeks in a Ugandan orphanage teaching blind dolphins how to swim. I haven't been resting on my laurels here, guys. I've been in Melbourne. I uh, was investigating a so-called issue with the, the Sudanese gays, as they're called down there. I was in St Kilda hearing these protests about all the African gays that are apparently causing trouble down there. Now, I can tell you exclusively on a decanter of banter that I went to a whole suite of gay bars in Melbourne and every Sudanese and African gay that I saw was incredibly friendly. Uh, we're going to try a new segment this radio show. It's a, it's a new segment called The 11.30 Report. It's a little bit like the 7.30 Report, except it's going to be at 11.30, and I'm going to call... uh, I'm going to dial Lee Sales on her personal line, and she's going to ask me the same question three times, even though I don't know the answer to it. Who topped up the go-card? Lee, who's go-card? Who topped up the go-card? Uh... I've been away for two weeks. Who topped up the go-kart? You're not answering the question. But uh, we'll also be doing a new segment where you might, if you've had a Han beer lately, you'd notice that you crack it open and you read on the underside and it'll have a, a question. It's meant to just start stir some discussion. So we're going to be doing that. In fact, we'll do it right now. We'll pop the cap off a Han. And uh, it says... The Armenian genocide did not occur. Discuss. Uh, That'll get you talking at home. Um, Now, I've also... I was off the grid for a couple of days. Now, in terms of two days without a... Two days without a mobile phone in 2018 is like two weeks without a mobile phone back in the 1800s. 
you know? But I did it. And you know what? I actually found it perversely enjoyable and peaceful. I was in Western Queensland, uh, in between Tara and a place called The Gums. And yeah, went off the grid. No mobile service. And when I got back into Dolby, and I was just waiting for that phone to start vibrating 48 hours off the grid, I, was, I said, look, give me two hours. Set aside two hours for me to trawl through all these messages. Uh, been in Dolby about half an hour. No missed calls. No text messages. And one Snapchat from a friend at a party where all my friends except me were invited. And they were having a great time. Uh, now, so, what we're all here for. The canter of banter. South East Queensland's most controversial 11 till 12 radio show. So, let's do something real controversial. Um, let's behead a baby giraffe live on air. Now, where is it? Where is that baby giraffe? Aha! I kept it in the cupboard. Oh, it's already suffocated. It's already suffocated. Uh, sorry. Now, I uh, was talking to my friend Carl. Now, my friend Carl, he's a psychologist. And he's been reading a whole lot of self-help books. Well, I'm not sure if he's reading these self-help books because it's research related to his career or if he's just really insecure. But he's reading all those books like How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and if you've read the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, you'll know it's one of the great self-help books of all time. And it's the sequel of uh, How to Sleep with a Good Mate's Ex-Girlfriend and Piss Everyone Off. Um, in fact, I actually wanted to read the book myself. I'd, I'd uh, looked it up in the Brisbane City Council Library page and I saw there were seven copies and they all happened to be taken out at the one time and I checked back in a couple of months later and they were still taken out and not returned and I think I forget what the problem is see I borrowed a book a bit before December and you know you know how it is in 2018 you get a little bit busy uh, you go through bouts of gastro that keep you homebound for a while and you don't get to drop off your library books on time uh, and then you get these messages these emails that start piling up from librarians who are passive aggressive and they say things like were you thinking of returning that library book and you can just picture their bob haircut bouncing up and down as they chatter their teeth are you thinking of returning that book anytime soon <laughs> um, and basically I was accruing 15 cents per day this particular book was not delivered back to its rightful home overlooking the river. And basically I accrued, depending on your salary, for example, if you didn't have one, if you didn't have a salary, it'd be quite a substantial amount of money. If you didn't have a salary, if you earned zero dollars and suddenly you had to pay three dollars twenty-five in library fees, that's a substantial amount of money. That's like more than 100 years of working. That's like a debt bondage from the Brisbane City Library. A debt bondage. That's child slave labor. We'll get to child labor in a little bit. I've actually, I've actually got a new segment coming up called In Defense of Child Slave Labor. 
but anyway, so I couldn't uh, get this particular book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I will have to continue just sleeping with good friends, ex-girlfriends, and pissing everyone off in the meantime. But uh, the problem with the Brisbane City Council book return system is that every December they have an amnesty where if you return any overdue books, they will wipe clean any fine that they've given you for not returning the book. And if you know this and you borrow a book in January and you get a $1 fee, you just say, well, I'll just hang on to it until December. And even if it amasses $120 by then, it'll be wiped clean. And there, and there comes a point where if that debt bondage with the Brisbane City Council for that non-returned book exceeds, you know, $20, you might as well say, well, I bought the book. What's the point in giving it back and then paying that fee? The book is mine. You hear, Graham Quirk? The book is mine, Mr. Quirk. Because um, I hear that Mayor Quirk is, in fact, personally upset by every non-returned book. Uh, <coughs> anyway, what happened was I was talking to Carl, who's read all these self-help books. He was talking about this particular book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he was talking about how if you really want to make friends, what you talk about is not yourself and your own achievements. It's about the person you're talking to and their achievements. He said that everyone really wants to talk about themselves and their own achievements. People love hearing the sound of their own name. And they actually listen better when you're talking about them and their achievements. And then he said... And then he said... Uh, I actually can't remember. I was just thinking about when I won Man of the Match at soccer in grade four. If you've been paying attention to tennis lately, um, you would have heard that Bernard Tomic actually played Nick Kyrgios just a couple of days ago. And astounding that those two um, Australian tennis legends would play each other. And more astounding is that they've actually played out the world's first ever nil-all tennis match. Hey, they shook hands about midway through the first game and said, you know what, we don't care about tennis. You're pretty bored, actually. We're going to go back to our mansions. But respect us. Respect. Okay? Um, speaking of tennis, uh, there's actually been an announcement that... The Brisbane International, which I had the pleasure of attending in very early January for a day, I actually saw Nick Kyrgios of all players. Um, he won the first set. I turned to the man next to me, which happened to be my dad. Hadn't seen him for 23 years. I said, Dad? Dad? No, I... It was, no, I, I've seen him since. But look, uh, I said, Dad, this guy's a legend. I love Nick Kyrgios. And then he plays two more sets, completely bungles it, throws the game away, and everyone leaves the stadium so disgruntled. People are angry. I heard, and not just once, someone say something about wanting their money back. Um, very disgruntled taxpayers at the Brisbane International that day. Um, so, basically, there was an announcement just the other day that they were actually going to scrap the tournament and that Brisbane was instead going to get 
a, a female-only tennis tournament. Female tennis. Nothing wrong with that. And there's the photo with the Minister for Tourism, Kate. Nice lady. And you got the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk. Nice lady. Two nice ladies there. Um, big smiles about how there's going to be a female-only tennis tournament in Brisbane. And no more men. And uh, we actually had a chat to one of the locals who... Uh, you know, lives near the tennis centre. And this is what he had to say about the female-only uh, tennis tournament coming to uh, Brisbane. Uh, we're really happy about it. As as locals, we we think it's a great a step for Brisbane uh, in terms of tennis uh, to have the opportunity to have a family barbecue. Sorry, family barbecue. Uh on the day of the tennis and just hear the ambience of the tournament in the background is something that quite frankly I can't wait for. I'm talking special as in I took my girl to Aria for our three week anniversary. Yes, I'm setting a very high bar. We got Noel Shed, how you going? Good Harry, I'm great. It's um, really good to see you. Great to be here. Uh, look, no, for all you at home, we're not uh, we're not a we're not a thing okay we're not uh, together um publicly they, publicly what do they say it's the most commuted flight between sydney melbourne melbourne brisbane brisbane sydney everyone flies everywhere sydney melbourne i think i think it's sydney melbourne and also this one is quite inexplicable canberra to panama now why would that be <laughs> canberra to panama actually the most flown flight in, in the world Mm, they must... Um, is it which direction? Or is it a one-way trip? Or is it both trips? No, they're not even stopovers. They go to the Panama and then they go to Cayman Islands and they go back to Canberra. <laughs> I don't know what that means. And by helicopter as well, which is really strange. Oh, well. And apparently it's billed to us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so did you hear the wonderful news about one of our top 25 greatest prime ministers of all time? Howard, I did comma, Mr... I did hear it the, yes. in the news. What, what he what he did on the sidewalk? That noble act he did. Yeah. And there's a plot. Uh, there's a great plot twist in this story. <laughs> and I'll save the plot twist till last. It's a good one. But the the great news is that he's a former prime minister who is very up to date with his jujitsu and his mai tai <laughs> boxing. He broke up a domestic in the street. Basically, this guy is walking the streets of Wollstonecraft in Sydney. I'm not sure if you've spent much time around in in Sydney. Um, uh, in well-to-do areas of Sydney um, <laughs> and he sees a domestic. Now, walking around Wollstonecraft, I mean, you call the cops if someone's left their yellow bin out for, you know, a couple of hours too long <laughs> on a Tuesday evening, all right? This guy's seen a domestic, John Howard, laser beams. He sees, he sees danger, he quells it. So he, he cruises on over, he says, what, what's going on here, guys? With a roundhouse kick to the face. Um, that's how well, he announced his he, presence. Yeah, didn't he say? Um, he said, what, "Like, keep, break it up, break it up." Or he said he wasn't saying anything that too. I believe the exact he was quote. The, obvious. the exact quote, Noel, was, "I will slash you like I slashed the migrant intake in Australia in the early 2000s." <sighs> I'll take you out like I took out the guns. Absolutely, with a gun. Here's the plot twist in the John Howard domestic breakup saga read the article at the bottom it says a 44 year old woman was arrested for breaching her um dvo 
Oh. The woman had the domestic violence order against her. And she... So the man was taking out his rubbish. She appears. Starts some trouble. Wow. That yeah. is a plot twist. Not every day you hear about that sort of thing. It's nice to know that there's a gender balance in the domestic violence world. I don't think Howard would have, would have done the exact same thing, no matter what the situation was. And who was getting... <laughs> it's a very thinly veiled attempt by John Howard here to get some girls. <laughs> now you can go to nightclubs, even though you're a former prime minister, you still get funny looks. You go, who's that old guy here? You know, there's a lot of people in these nightclubs these days. You know, they're 18. They weren't even born when John Howard was in his prime, confiscating guns. And, you know, sent to pushing migrant boats back out to sea and saying, "Don't come back." And then the tide brings him back in, and <laughs> he goes, "Shit." <laughs> um, you know, they weren't even born yet. And, then, and so what he does is he walks the streets. A lot of people say, John Howard, wow, he is into his exercise and his fitness. He's a great role model. I'm here to tell you this guy is a pervert. He's going in, all right, he's loitering around homes where crazy women live, right? Because he likes the crazy ones. He's gone here where a woman's breaching a DVO. He's hanging around. You think he was just walking down the street? He was camping out there for at least two, and a, two to three days. <laughs> Police said they found John Howard with a backpack full of muesli bars and a Ten. flashlight. <laughs> I said that was flashlight. Um, yes, that's the real story here. That's what the you're going here on your mainstream media. Just who John Howard really is. That's right. I'll tell you where I, I only met John Howard once before, and that was on Chat Roulette. Ooh. Yes. Um, is that the PG version? Or? Yes, it, it was a little bit grainy. All I saw was from his waist down, naked. Um, and he was a bit more dark-skinned than I remember John Howard, but I'm sure it was him. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, he's really quite personable. <laughs> Hello? My Hello? man. The yep. farewell episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I have to keep readjusting my contact lenses. Yeah. My eyes are welling up with tears at the thought of your imminent departure um, so, from southeast Queensland. Yeah. I, Harry, I was thinking about it the other day that... I, I, I would reckon that you would be the person I miss the most. Oh, stop it. You give me an erection. Mate, it's the truth, you know? If the truth gives you an erection, then, mate, <laughs> just don't hang around me. Dude, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I got blocked from pornography websites, but I found bbcnews.com. So factual. So arousing. Um, anyway, so I mean, I go to Melbourne, and we hear a lot about Melbourne in the, in the press with these particular things and we hear about the, the neo-Nazis down there in St Kilda. We hear about the lefties who are protesting every second Tuesday about Adani. And it's, sometimes it's easy to forget that maybe there are some, some moderate Melbourneites out there, just, you know, everyday Melbourneites. Oh, I'll be one of those, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm not there to cause any trouble. I think you need to go down there and say, guys, can we just all tone it down a little bit? Can we, aren't, can we just all just go grocery shopping on a Sunday? I'll bring a bit of Brisbane down there. I'll, I'll say, look, this is how we do it in Brisbane. It's important to remember there are always moderate Melbourneites out there who just like watching TV and eating toasted sandwiches. Vegemite and cheese ones. Yeah. I would say when I was at my fattest, circa 2013, 2014, I was eating a lot of... There's a commonality between when I was at my fattest and the amount of toasted sandwiches I was eating. Bulk carbs. I used to love those. Uh, buttering up some bread, bit of cheese, bit of Vegemite, slu uh, just slamming them down. So that's what you're eating right now, right? 
Oh, you cheeky young man. You are cheeky. I will stab you in the eye. You are a cheeky young man. Uh, but yes. Never look, you never look fitter, Harry. We're not, we're, not a, we're not a thing. We're not together, if you know what I mean. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I've had a few friends that felt the need to say that a few times, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I went through this phase where I thought that, you know how when two girls kiss, them, kiss each other in front of a guy, the guy goes, wow, you know, <laughs> wow. Um, I thought that the opposite would apply. <laughs> Turns no, out that if you just kiss a guy in front of a girl, you have to go, no, we're not. No, sorry, sorry. We're not a, a thing. We're not. A thing. We're not. Yeah, we're not. We're not two things being one to, thing. Together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that theory doesn't quite work. But um, nearest... Longreach is a, you know, it's not a, it's not exactly a, a shanty town, you know. It's, yeah, a, it's quite, quite a proud. It's quite proud. Quite a proud yeah. and quite I actually a beautiful. have two friends from Longreach. You we do got, indeed. We all do. There's some people from we college Lin- went there. Yeah, Linda and, and I know a few other people. Yes. Um, but basically it's also famous for being incredibly flat. Really? If they if they get a bit of a population boost, all right, that could be one of the great cycle cities of the world. People talk about Copenhagen, they talk about Amsterdam, <laughs> they say these are great cycle cities, so flat, it's a grid, right? People love to cycle in these areas. I would say, hmm, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, Longreach. I want that printed on a <laughs> on a tote bag and I want to take it to a grocery shop. They could do it. They've got they've got the um if they had a good city plan. They could, they could make that happen. I think we need to send Graham Quirk, Mayor Graham Quirk, on exchange yeah. to Longreach. Do a six-month exchange swap <laughs> yes. between mayors. Well, we, get, we get the mayor of Longreach down in Brisbane. Yeah. Nah, demolish the hills. <laughs> yeah. Too hilly. <laughs> they got to go. Close it down. Too much water. <laughs> I don't like the river. <laughs> it's too go, go, go. <laughs> Needs more sandwich shops. <laughs> Not enough cows in the botanical gardens. <laughs> look, we're besmirching Longreach here. They're not unsophisticated people. Of people not. have these antiquated ideas, and we're just propounding them, aren't we? What we're doing about what farmers are. They are sophisticated people. You know, farmers are some of the smartest people in Australia. Do you know why? Because those tax breaks they get, wow, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. <laughs> it is extreme hard work. It's my first go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, no, you can stick around. It's great. It's great to have you here. Um, so let's let's talk about something very, very serious. Do you want to hear a made-up statistic? Sure. There are more sushi stores in Australia than in Japan. But aren't there just so many sushi stores in Australia? I think that Australians eat so much sushi. We well, we love our sushi. We seriously do. Avocado and chicken, um, tuna and avocado, and that's it. They call sushi a Japanese sandwich, and I can't disagree with that. I don't know who they is. I think it's actually just me, and then maybe that's why I don't disagree because I said it. Sushi is a Japanese sandwich. It's like because the, there is the the seaweed, and that that's healthy. I get like a superfood vibe from seaweed. I feel like someone said, "Dude, eat seaweed; it stops balding." You'd be like, "Oh wow, seriously? They eat lots of seaweed." And you're like, well, <laughs> I'm still balding. Who's they? You said that you said they say that 
they're eating seaweed sauce bowling. Who's they? And then you'll be like, oh, it's just me and I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you get that vibe. There's a superfood vibe, but the seaweed and the rice. Yeah, the seaweed, yeah, because it's it's got that dark spinach colour. So yes. it, looks, it looks good. And it's, it's seaweed. Like, you wouldn't be eating seaweed unless there was a reason. Oh, it's like wheatgrass. It's like... Someone's gone and like obviously there's some reason we're we're eating this weed from the sea. Yeah. It must be good for you because otherwise we'd just be eating normal land weeds. Yes, yeah, so you do underestimate the 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 power of good marketing though. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's Australian sushi though. This is remember that I don't know if the Japanese sushi has the same kind of you know the you know the seaweed and then the rice and then tuna avocado. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> there's only one true superfood. I got a colleague of mine who has just some wild statements that he makes, and we were talking about turmeric one day. I don't even know why we're talking about turmeric, and he just appeared out of his office. He's such an enigma. He just popped out. And he said, "Only one true superfood, and that's cucumber." <laughs> and and I looked it up, and so it's it yeah, I guess it's it holds up, and it makes me wonder. I mean, you look at these fruits. There, there are ad campaigns about, about bananas, you know, now nature's health snack, energy snack or whatever. Uh, you know, let your buddies sing, have an avocado, give me a Mandy, mum. You've got all these, you know, people who sort of rally around a particular fruit. I don't know, is there like a Mandarin Association of Australia and they employ a, you know, a marketing team to come up with an ad. And I'm sitting here in front of you, all right, butt naked, live on air saying, who's the marketing team for Cucumber? Come out here, get the campaign going. Tell us that. What, yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. Yeah, you got to. Otherwise, everyone will start thinking over time that mandarins are better than all the other fruits. Yes, and, 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 and that's a problem because we don't know. We don't know if, like, you know, it, it's good, but is it the best? And is there even one fruit that's better than all the rest? Exactly, uh, there is, okay. and it starts with a C and ends with cucumber. <laughs> Seriously. Is that is, is that a fruit? Because it does have seeds. Uh, I believe it is technically a fruit, but it is a yeah. superfood. All right. Uh, there's this great. <laughs> what does the superfood mean, by the way, Harry? You've got to clear this one because <laughs> they <I> say people <laughs> say everyone calls everything a bloody superfood, and it's just more keeps adding the list. I yeah. heard that sweet potato was a superfood. That's is normal potato a superfood? I think this is the way they do it. This is the way they judge a superfood. It's the amount of time in between when you eat it and when you next go to the bathroom to do a number two. Now, if it's a superfood, that turnaround time is 10 to 15 minutes. If it's a healthy food, we're talking 15 minutes, possibly two hours. Superfood, you know, it, yeah, it speeds it up. instant impact. It's sort of like you can't have a superfood and then go for a hike. You need to have a superfood, relax for a little while, lounge around, read a book, then you go for the hike. It's sort of like that 20-minute rule when you go swimming. Hey, if you're going to go swimming, make sure it's 20 minutes after you eat a meal. Um, no sooner. So like, that's the same thing with, with superfoods and hiking. We all know the rule. All through primary school when we were growing up, our parents would say, kids, kids, no, you just ate a superfood, you are not going for a hike. You sit around here for 15 minutes, do your number two, and then you can go for your hike. You go, oh, mom, you always feed me these. <laughs> anyway, I won't sold myself this time. It was a one-off thing. <laughs> all right, but look, um, the point is, one of my favourite television programs, uh, Portlandia, had this great segment where um, there's a guy who is the marketing guy for Broccoli. She's like, oh, broccoli. <laughs> no, broccoli's I got broccoli on an airline meal for dessert. <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> now, on that note, superfoods. We're talking about superfoods. We're talking about super blokes. You are a super bloke. You've, uh, it's been great to have you on the show. It's been a lot of fun today. Oh, it has been a lot of fun. Shake me Give me a firm handshake. And um, it's not your first time on the show. Uh, you were here from the beginning. You were here when it was at 4 a.m. in the morning. 
Yeah. You held my hand. That was a, it was good. I, I, Harry, I really enjoyed coming on the show. I'm, anyway, so about child, child labor. Now, a lot of people, it's a, there's a bit of a stigma. You say the words out loud, child labor. People go, oh, that doesn't sound good. And it's more of a PR thing. Uh, child labor. If we spin it in terms of like paid play, it's like you're playing and you're getting paid and you have to play in a certain way. Um, you know, you're, you're playing. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they, they play with Lego and you're building things. So what's the difference between, you know, building something with Lego and, you know, um, making leather shoes? It's one step away from paid play. Um, if any marketing execs want to have a chat to me, I've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of free time, actually. Um, but uh, think about this, paid play. It's sort of like... Uh, if there, was the, if there was a white van coming down the street, some kids walking home from school, here comes a white van. The door opens. There are two HR reps from a publicly listed company sitting in the back. Hey, kid. You want to interview for some paid play? Um, those are the risks associated with, with this sort of thing, I guess. But um, I was on Wikipedia the other day reading the article about child labor. And... Don't ask me why I was on the page. Just checking up that I was running my business in an appropriate way. Um, turns out I wasn't. <laughs> what do you mean you're, you're a child if you're under 15? Um, look. Uh, so the, the disturbing thing I found about this particular Wikipedia page is that every photo of the child workers on the child labor Wikipedia page is smiling. In every photo, there is a child who is smiling. I urge you to, to check this for yourselves. Wikipedia, child labor, look at the photos. The children seem happy. And it makes me wonder what sort of agenda Wikipedia has here. I know it's a not-for-profit. I know it's a charitable organization. But maybe it can afford to be charitable when it's entirely staffed by orphaned Bangladeshi toddlers just updating it every page every day. So about the recycling scheme, everyone's been very excited. Most people wearing Sea Shepherd t-shirts are very excited about this new recycling scheme where we get charged an extra 15 cents per bottle and then when you take it all the way down to one of those lovely depots, see the friendly man who grunts at you, G'day mate, how you going? <laughs> Can I check you for ticks? <laughs> oh, you're a man. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then you drop it off. And you get 10 cents back. So you charge 15 cents extra per bottle. You go to all the effort of taking it down to the depot. And you get 10 cents back. And when you take it down to that depot, where do you think that depot takes the bottle? They take it to the exact same place that it w that bottle would have ended up if you just put it in your yellow bin. So effectively, it's not helping at all. We're just getting charged this cheeky, this very cheeky five cents. All you enviros have had your, you've had wool pull over your eyes. And it's not even synthetic wool. It's real wool. Yes, a sheep has suffered. And so I've actually started to use this same logic in my own personal life. You see, I charge girls at local bars $20 for not kissing me, but they get $15 back 
if they do kiss me. So I get girls and I make money. They say it couldn't be done. Um, so we've actually had one of our staff members from Fortable Z follow one, uh, the, 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 these bottles from the depot. We needed to find out where that five cents was going. If we're only getting 10 cents back, what happens to that other five cent? What happens to the five cent coin? And basically, what happened will shock you. So, the five cents gets picked up by a truck. It gets taken around the corner. Mayor Quirk takes out a sack. He goes from house to house in Brisbane City. And I urge you to check this. He climbs in through an unlocked window. He's a very agile man, Mayor Quirk. And as you get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, and Mayor Quirk listens, he's right outside the door. One of his fun games is to guess whether you're doing a number one or a two. But then Mayor Quirk slips a five cent coin under your pillow. He climbs out the same window he came in through and he gets back in the truck and he goes to the next house. But, th- but then they stop around another corner and Jackie Trad is there. She reaches in. She grabs a sack of five cent coins and she gets the train to the airport and she says, this is a great service. Only $20. Privatising public transport just pays dividends and when she gets to the airport she goes to the Jetstar lounge and when you're sitting there waiting for your delayed flight that was meant to leave 32 hours ago and you look away at the horizon and wonder when will I ever get out of this place Jackie Trad slips in five cent coins into your bag so that when you go to board the flight it weighs more than seven kilos and you pay the fee but the truck keeps going and it actually stops around another corner and this is its final stop you see Anastasia Palaszczuk reaches in and she grabs a sack of five cent coins she walks down the street down to the thumb building 1 William Street. She takes the elevator right to the top. She gets up onto the terrace that overlooks the whole city of Brisbane. She hocks, spits, and tips five cent coins on private school students walking down below and cackles. Let's talk about my little weekend, my shopping weekend in Melbourne. So, oh, there's just been a shudder. You felt the shudder go through your body. The same shudder that Russian playwrights would have got in the early 20th century when someone mentioned the word Joseph Stalin. Because just like Stalin and playwrights back then, Melbourne today, they take all our friends and we never see them again. That's right. You go. You got your friends. They go to uni. They get great grades. You're so happy for them. 
And then they go, oh, I'm getting a great job in finance down in Melbourne. They start a family. You bump into them at an IGA in Wollongong in 2032. You vaguely recognise them. When you get back in the car, you look to your left. You say to your wife, I think I saw that guy I went to uni with. And she, just like you right now, doesn't really care. Um, But here's the issue. Uh, Melbourne actually isn't that bad. And you see, I got there and I was a little bit affronted at first because I have this dogma that Brisbane is the best city in the world and uh, and that Melbourne sucks. And I sort of got there and it challenged my dogma and in a really confronting way because I thought this is not bad. I saw that there were, for example, there were colourful walls on the highways. It was a nice touch. It was sort of like if you were a really big Rolf Harris fan and then it came out that he was touching kids and you go, no, 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 Rolf Harris is a great man, a great musician, uh, and above all, a great man. And, he, and, and, and you'd have to tear down tearfully those posters from the walls in disbelief, in denial. And that's how I felt about being in Melbourne. I will say one final thing about this new female-only tennis tournament coming to Brisbane. And that is, if we really want equality... We want to pay female tennis players the same amounts, give them tournaments. You know what? Then let the men compete in synchronised swimming at the Olympics. It's the only gender-specific sport left. And I tell you this, and this is my pledge. On behalf of 4ZZZ, we are withholding all payments to female employees until males get to compete in synchronised swimming at the Olympics. I know a lot of males, handsome, strapping, smart, intelligent, sporty, racist, transphobic, awful, awful men. Also some other men who would be really good at synchronized swimming. And they should be given a go. Yeah, when you, if you're in a share house and use the vacuum, you're always, there's always, you're holding the vacuum with one hand, the other hand is uh, crossed behind your back, hoping that the bag is not full. It's like... It's the sharehouse version of Russian roulette. <laughs> when you're using the vacuum and that thing is full and you can't vacuum no more, you have to go to all that terrible effort of emptying that bag and putting another one in. You do not want to be caught with the vacuum in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That is like our housemate roulette. It is horrible emptying those vacuum cleaners. Yes. Hi, I'm Harry from a decanter of banter. If you're anything like me, people tell you every day, listen, mate. If you eat that many party pies for breakfast, you'll put on weight. Uh, A lot going on today, a lot making news. In fact, a report has just been released that has shown that mates who share a maxi cab to the valley and say, sorry man, I don't have any cash on me, but I'll shout you a drink later, statistically never get you that drink. Like, not even once. It's ne- it's act- the report says it actually has never happened. But do you actually have a financial interest in, in, in choosing certain players in a side that, you know, you're entrusted to be captain of? The, if no one has actually answered the question. A lot of people are coming out and they're saying, Bernard Thomas, you disgraceful young man. You spoiled brat. 
Oh man, if I had 10 seconds alone with you in a dark alley, I tell you what. I'd be like, Bernie, where are you? Bernie, where are you? It's so dark here. Ah, Bernie, is that you? Um, but I tell you what, uh, no one's actually said no. What he said was a lie. It's defamation. So does Leighton Hewitt actually have a financial interest in the management company that certain plays which he has picked in his Davis Cup side belong to? These are the questions and these are the answers. Because there's no answers. Um, the truth does hurt sometimes. As I've said a thousand times before, when I have a child, I'm not going to force feed my child children's films. If you ever wonder why there's so much anxiety and depression in the world today, it's because of one thing and two words, one containing an apostrophe. Children's films. You see, they say, oh, uh, G, G-rated films are for children. PG, you know, have a parent around. Uh, I recommend that. That's what, essentially what they say. But if you look at every plot of any film that's G-rated or PG-rated, nothing truly bad happens at all. And if you, if you, if you recall, say, the, for example, the film Ice Age, where there's that saber-toothed tiger who you think dies, and he gets sad. You know, it died. And then at the end, it comes back and didn't actually die. It, mirac- it miraculously survived some brawl in the middle of a, a, a you know, avalanche, you know. And you go, oh, great. You know, so no one actually dies. That's a good life lesson. You know, grandma will be back sometime. She just, you know, she'll walk out of that avalanche. But look, the point is, when bad things actually do happen, it's so hard to comprehend for people who've been brought up watching children's films and they just wig out, drop out of uni, they go to Bali to find themselves because the world's is too horrific. Instead of having juice where you need to win by an advantage, it's sudden death, every juice. So you can wrap this thing up in 10 minutes if you want. You can do it on a lunch break at work. You can come back from your lunch break at work and say, just won the Brisbane International, you know what I mean? So that's the charm of Fast Fours because we all, we've all sat and watched a five setter um, before. And the part of it is like, wow, that was epic. But there's another part that goes, I can't do that very often. That was four hours, guys. You know what I mean? Um, if you're a high-flying lawyer who makes, you know, $600 an hour, that's $2,400 of your time watching that five-set tennis match. You know? That's what people don't think about. You watch a tennis game, you go, wow, that was epic. I'll never forget that match. But what you're not thinking about is, you know, the high-flying lawyers in the crowd who just essentially lost $2,400. You're just too selfish. Never think about the high-flying lawyers. Let's talk about aging. You see, uh, a friend of mine worked with a fellow and the fellow, uh, the latter fellow, uh, was turning 30. So they they put uh, some balloons, a, a three and a zero, um, in his office and some streamers and like yeah, there were, there were some jibes about oh you're getting old mate you know you you uh you you you're really really getting old basically they were they were rubbing it in they were just surrounding him going poking at him throwing rocks at him going you're old you're old um but then he actually he was midway through his birthday at work and he had a fall he had a fall and he had it hit his head and he had some sort of concussion and he had to get taken to a hospital see people they want they say what, what, do you, what do you mean a fall he had a fall and i'm talking like an old person fall you know when you're sitting there at the dinner table 
and the phone rings and dad says, what's that? Who's calling at this hour? And he trudges up to the phone, uh, a bit annoyed and he, and he picks up the phone and he says, hello? And he says, oh my God. Gee, Willicus. And everyone, uh, you're there with, with mum and your siblings at the, at the dinner table and you go, dad, dad, what happened? What is it? And he turns around and he says, it's grandma. She's had a fall. You know, that kind of fall. This guy had that kind of fall. He was just walking. No one pushed him. No one, you know, left a mango skin lying in the in the, the breakout room floor. He just fell. He just, you know, just couldn't quite get his ankle movements correct. And basically they had to replace his birthday balloons with get well soon balloons. And, and I saw right through it. When my friend was telling me about what happened to this colleague of his, I thought, you know what? He's gotten to hospital going, ouchie, ouchie, my head. Um, and then you know, these colleagues will be like, are you right to take care of him now? And they go, yeah, yeah, well, the hospital staff are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone goes back to work. And then he says, you know, I'm feeling a bit better now. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit better. I might go to um, Stradbroke Island and see some of my friends. Good thing to do on a Thursday, 4 p.m. And um, I think he had a very, very good birthday weekend. But uh, we all have Australia Day. It's the day where people from all ages all backgrounds, all ethnicities, we come together and say, change the date! No, piss off, don't change the date! Hey, break, break it up, guys! Hey, hey! I was wondering, how long do I have to camp out near the National Park to to get one of the barbecues, to just cook some snags on Australia Day? I mean, how will... Do you have to camp out from Tuesday, the week before, to get one of those barbecues? And then at 11am on Australia Day, you go, actually, I really need to go to the bathroom. You come back, and there's a family of tourists there barbecuing you just showed up in their camper van they slept until 10 got down to the national park and gone well it's well, free barbecue sweet um yeah I, I can just picture i reckon they're already there lining up in their little deck chairs in front of the the barbecues like they're lining up for vanessa amorosi tickets and it's the year 2000 it does remind me the the yeah if you've ever been to queen street mall they camp out for a particular new nike shoe and um Usually at very late hours. And you might walk past them and go, why do they line up for a shoe? What does it all mean, a shoe? Um, I can tell you, don't besmirch them. It's actually how my parents met. You see, my parents were actually on those deck chairs at 2 a.m. in the morning. And they were lining up for new light-up roller shoes. And uh, mum leaned over to who would eventually be my dad and said, I'm here because I get too much pocket money and have no real interests or hobbies. And my dad said, me too. And I was conceived right there in Queen Street Mall on a camper chair. Um, Mike, I've always wondered, and by always, I mean right now for the first time, wondered, what if you lined up for like four days, like those people on the on the deck chair, on the, the camper chairs, the fold-out camper chairs, to buy a new uh, brand of shoe. And you finally get in the store, you're the third person in, you go, third person get these shoes, sweet. And your credit card declines. They say, sorry, it just says insufficient funds. And then you come back, you know, two weeks later after payday, and you go, you still got those shoes that everyone was lining up for? And you go, oh yeah, we've got heaps left, yeah. Every size. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but 
like all parents say who have disappointing but healthy children, well, at least they're not on crystal meth. I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if my child got into it. In fact, I'll almost promote it. When it's my child is, you know, just a few months old, I'll be dangling, puffing new white sneakers over the crib, going, you'll line up for these one day, won't you? You'll make your daddy proud in Queen Street Mall. You'll line up for these, won't you, son? Um, and then my, my wife will say, well, it's a girl. I, I personally have no issue with people lining up for shoes. You want to line up for shoes? Godspeed to you. Your Uncle Harry has no problem with it. All right? So you tell them when those people walk by and they say, what do you line up for stupid shoes for? You know, those, those drunkards when they're leaving at Mick O'Malley's and they got vomit all over their shirts. And they say, that's embarrassing lining up for shoes as they stumble down the street and almost get hit by a taxi. I just want to say one last thing on Australia Day. I want to say welcome to Australia, to all our new citizens who are going to be officially knighted as, as Australian citizens on on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, Scott Morrison himself will bring down the holy sword and he will tap it on both your shoulders and he will say, welcome, one of us, one of us. We accept him, one of us. Um, but for all our... For all our new citizens, there is a downside to becoming an Australian citizen, and that is you now have to take a vested interest in Australian politics. So my heart goes out to you, really, sincerely, my condolences. Made me ponder some of life's biggest questions. If you left a Lamborghini in a car park and you left the keys in the Lamborghini and you put a sign on the windshield saying, free, if you want it, take it, it's free. Seriously, I don't want it. Um, would that be littering? Would that be dumping a car? Would that be littering? Would this be against the law? You know, where do you draw the line between what is just something that you drop or mistakenly leave somewhere and what is littering? You smoke a cigarette, you put it down, you walk away. Bazinga! Hello, I'm a council worker with an obscure title and I can actually give you a fine. Sorry, who are you? And why are you wearing a big pointy fluoro yellow hat? It's my uniform, mate. Seriously, I dig it, you should too. And I'm giving you a $202 fine to you. Um, so that's what happens when, when you leave a, uh, you know, a, a cigarette lying around. And um, so, for example, if you dropped a five cent coin and you look down, you're, oh, ooh, actually, I won't pick that up. I'll just leave that there. Is that littering? I mean, a five cent coin is obviously not very valuable. In fact, it's worth about approximately five cents and is that worth the time that a council worker who a public servant is paid to sweep it up it perhaps is not worth that time so it further begs the question if under this new bottle return scheme where you get 10 cents per bottle for returning a lovely beer bottle to some random depot in Salisbury um, you get 10 cents back, right? So if you collect 100 bottles, they're worth, that's right, you guessed it, you just won a thumb of turmeric, sir, for guessing the correct answer, it's worth $10. So if you're walking down the street with 100 glass bottles, 100 empty glasses, Castle Main cranberries, right? And then you just drop them and you didn't realize and you kept walking and someone would run up to you. you know, I mean, that, that, that's essentially like dropping a $10 note. 
It's like dropping a $10 note, dropping 100 glass bottles in the street and not realizing. You know, someone would run up behind you and say, Sir, excuse me, sir, sir, you dropped your 100 bottles. Oh, wow. How honest of you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this. You know, the world needs more people like you. Seeing me drop my 100 bottles and, you know, you could just get them for yourself. But you decided to bring them here to me. So what I'm going to do for you, sir, I'm going to give you 20 of these bottles. Yes, yes. You deserve them through your honesty. Good things do happen to good people here. You have 20 bottles. Thank you and good day.